Isn't that cool? That is such a cool video. You know, they, a few years ago, people were saying science is going to prove that God doesn't exist. And don't you love it when science turns around and pretty much proves that it's impossible for us to be here without God? Now, we don't need, we don't need science to prove there, the Bible's true or there is a God, but it's not, it is nice to see science catch up to the Bible. Amen? Yes. So, Thank God for that. It's nice to know that God loved you enough, God loves us enough, that he stuck big old Jupiter out there to absorb all those asteroids so we could have life here. So, all right. Good evening. I'm uh, Pastor Randy, uh, one of the pastors here, and I'm going to be your speaker tonight. So I would like you to take out your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 12 to 20. We're going to be doing a series on Galatians, and tonight we're going to be looking at living free. And in Galatians chapter 4, verse 12 to 20, it says, I plead with you, brothers, become like me, for I became like you. You have done me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. Even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. What has happened to all your joy? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that, they may, so that you may be zealous for them. It's fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always and not just when I am with you. My dear children, for whom, I again, for whom I am again in pains of childbirth until Christ is forming you, you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. Just let it come alive in our hearts. Help us to grow closer to you through it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. In, uh, in 1986, Holly Dunn had a top 10 country song called Daddy's Hands. And the chorus went like this. It says, Daddy hands were soft and kind when I was crying. Daddy's hands were hard as steel when I was wrong. Daddy's hands weren't always gentle, but I've come to understand there was always love in Daddy's hands. And that song kind of reminds me of Paul's letter to the Galatians. He was their spiritual father who loved them enough to correct them. And, and that's the job of a loving father or mother or parent. And, and uh, I know maybe you heard this from, from, from your dad and when they were getting ready to correct you, which is kind of a nice term for spank you, they would say, son, uh, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. How many of you ever heard that, right? And, uh, and then when I became a dad and, and it came time for me to correct my ch children, I, you know, and I, I would say, Son, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. And on, the, on a day that I said that, you know what I discovered? Parents are liars. Man, they lie. That's a lie. It didn't hurt me at all. As a matter of fact, sometimes it felt pretty good to put the Board of Education to the seat of understanding, you know? Because kids do some pretty dumb stuff, and sometimes they can be pretty mean and cruel and defiant, and, and it's good for them to get their just desserts. But anyway, don't get me wrong here. My spiritual gift is mercy. And, and so I, my kids probably didn't get it half as much as they deserved. I let them off the hook a number of times. 
But as any good parent, I recognize the need for discipline. Dr. James Dobson in his book, Dare to Discipline, talks about the need to discipline children. That's important. But he also brought, brings out the need to express love and affection after your child, after, to your child after you discipline them. You know, it's how important it is to, after you discipline, to wrap your arms around them and express your love to them. He says there's a, there's a special bonding time that can take place there. And that's, that's what's happening here in Galatians chapter 4. Up to this point, Paul's been kind of harsh, kind of tough with them, pretty, pretty downright blunt. He called the Galatians foolish, you foolish Galatians. He says, you're, you're bewitched, you're confused, befuddled in your, your thinking. And, and he even said earlier, he goes, man, I hope I haven't wasted my time on you guys. Well, that's tough. He scolded them. But now he, he scolded him for, for, for turning from a gospel of grace to salvation by works. Or he scolded them for trying to crawl back under the law after they've been set free from the law. He said, all who rely on observing the law are under the curse. Basically what he's saying here is, knock it off, you dummies. What are you thinking? But now he's starting to change his tone. Now he's starting to shift gears some. And for the first time in the letter, he refers to them as brothers. And he says, I plead with you. He calls them here, my dear children, how I wish I could come and be with you. He, he's showing his love for them, and he wants them to be free. And he's telling them, God wants you to live free. God wanted the best for them, just like God still wants the best for us. Galatians 5.1 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, don't let yourselves be burned again by the yoke of slavery. Be free. So tonight, we're going to continue our series on Galatians called Freedom in Christ, and we're going to look at living free and how we can, how we can do that. And that as found here in Galatians chapter 4, verse 12 to 20, and there's basically four things we need to do to live free. Number one is you got to play with the owies. <laughs> when I played high school football, our coach used to say, gentlemen, that was one of the nicer names he called us. Gentlemen, you got to play with the owies. Now, obviously, some injuries make it impossible to play, but what he meant and what all athletes and players will tell you that there are times when you've got to get out there and play when everything is less than perfect. Even when your bodies are less than 100%, even when you have minor injuries and hurts, you got to go out there and play past that, past the pain, past the hurt, past the discomfort, and get the job done. And that's what Paul did here in verse 13. He says, as you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached to you. Now, there's a lot of debate among scholars of what Paul's illness was. You know, some say maybe it was malaria that he caught in his travels or he had a runny eye disease. That's why he talked about them plucking out their eyes and uh, maybe the after effects of being stoned and left for dead in Lystra. There's no way we can really know. It doesn't really matter anyway. But there are two lessons we can take away here that, that I want you to take away. First of all, Christians get sick. Christians are not exempt from the trials of life. We live in this world, and while we are in this world, we are subject to the crud of this world. That includes sickness, accidents, 
crime, the effects of aging, believe me, I know that's true. And when I go out and play softball with the, with the church team, you know, the ball's hit and, and my brain says, run over and catch that. And my body says, are you talking to me? <laughs> you know, it's gonna take some time for me to get over. You're not, 30 years ago, yeah, but not anymore. And of course, the big one, death. The Apostle Paul, you look at the Apostle Paul, the, the guy prayed for people and they were healed. The guy prayed for dead people and they came back to life and yet he still got sick. He still had illnesses. At Generation Church, we're not afraid to pray and believe God for, for, for healing and miracles. That, that's fine. We pray, and then what after that is up to God. But the point is, is the Lord never promised us a trouble-free, perfect existence in this life. But he did promise never to leave us or forsake us. So whatever you're going through, God has not left you. God has not forsaken you. He promised to be with you, and he'll help you get through it. When we get to heaven, yeah, then it's all going to be perfect. But in the meantime, we're stuck here in this world. The other thing I really want to, and, and this is the main thing I really want to bring out, is there are times when you've got to play with the owies. Paul didn't let his illness or his troubles stop him from serving God, doing what God called him. He said, even though I was ill, I still preached to you guys. There are times when you've got to play with the owies in life when things are less than perfect, when things don't go the way you wanted or hoped they'd go, when things just plain old stink. Sometimes life stinks. I mean, life can throw you some tough curveballs. You know that old saying, stuff happens. And that's when you must be determined, I'm gonna keep living for God, I'm gonna keep serving God, even when things are difficult, even though others may walk away, and sometimes others do, even if they walk away, I'm staying with God, even when you're dealing with family or, or financial or physical troubles, even when your prayers don't get answered. Here's some good news and some even better news. The good news is God always answers your prayers. The bad news, or the better news is, he may not always give you what you want, but he'll always give you what you need. I was reading about a, a pastor who had been a pastor for a long time, but he was saying how back in, when he was in high school, he, he was in practice, wasn't even in a game. In, in practice, he broke his ankle and he was, he was done for the season. And he sat at home, angry, brooding, mad at God, and he was a good player, and now he was out for the rest of the season. He was a Christian, and, and he was in, grew up in a, in a Christian home, and his mom, instead of letting him sit around feeling sorry for himself, went out, bought a guitar, bought it home, and said, here, learn how to play this, which he had nothing else to do, so he did. And he said, looking back, he said, as, as, as being a youth pastor and then becoming a pastor, what a blessing, what a benefit it was to be able to play that guitar far more than playing a few more football games in high school would have been in my life. So there are times when you gotta play with the owies in life. And there's also times when you gotta play with the owies in ministry. And we see that in 2 Timothy 3, 10 to 11. It says, you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, patience, love, endurance, that's his ministry. But he goes on to say persecutions, 
sufferings, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecution I endured, yet, yet the Lord rescued me from them all. He goes on to say in 2 Corinthians, three times I was shipwrecked, I was beaten with rods, stoned, put in prison, in constant danger. My peeps deserted me when I needed them the most. May not be held against them. And he goes on to say, there were times when we despaired even of life. That's the Apostle Paul. I mean, that's lots of owies. That's kind of like the blonde. That kind of reminds me of the blonde who went to the doctor. And she said, doctor, I hurt all over. I don't know what's wrong with me, but everywhere I touch, it hurts. When I touch my arm, it hurts. When I touch my leg, it hurts. When I touch my head, it hurts. And the doctor says, that's because your finger's broken. <laughs> but anyway. No matter what your owies, no matter all the owies that Paul had, he never quit. He never gave up. He never stopped doing what God called him to do. And in Galatia, he kept on preaching in spite of his illness. We all got owies. We all got hurts. We all got, we, we all got injuries, maybe physically, emotionally, or spiritually. When you're in the people business, which what we're in, when you're doing the work of the Lord, you're going to take some arrows. You're going to get some owies. Don't let that stop you. Keep doing ministry. Keep doing what God has called you to do, even when you don't feel like it, even when other people may not appreciate it, even when it seems like you're not doing any good. Be faithful. Keep playing with the owies because if you want to live free, you got to play with the owies. And then here's the next thing. Love the hurting. Verse 14 tells us, even though my illness was a trial to you, you didn't treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if Christ Jesus himself were here. Paul said, even though I was ill, you welcomed me. Man, you rolled out the red carpet for me like I was an angel or like Jesus was here with you. What a beautiful attitude they had. And what's especially significant about that was that in Paul's day, some of the kind of the popular thinking or theology was that if you had an infirmary or an illness, that was considered a curse from God. That's why the disciples, when they came across a man born blind, they said to Jesus, uh, who sinned, him or his parents? You know, obviously it had to be some sin, right? And Jesus said, neither. You guys got some bad theology. The Galatians looked past that and embrace Paul. And as Christians, we should love the hurting. We should welcome the wounded. We should work to heal the hurting. And there's a, there's a lot of hurting people out there. You're surrounded by lots of hurting people at work, at, maybe at home, at school, wherever you are. There's lots of hurting people out there, and there's even lots of hurting people in here. People dealing with illness, divorce, bankruptcy, family crisis, death in the family, all kinds of all kinds of problems. Our message is, you're welcome here. We're here to help. We're not here to condemn. We're here to help. We love you. God loves you no matter who you are or what you've done or your background, no matter what you're struggling with, no matter how badly you're hurting, you're welcome here. You know, a good sign of our spirituality is not how we treat the best among us, but how we treat the weakest among us.
because that's how we really treat Jesus. And that's what it says in Matthew 25, verse 37. It says, the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or, or in need of clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or go visit you? When, when, did you, when did I greet you at the door as you came into church? When did I sit by you next, next to you in church? When, when did I see you crying and I went over and put my arm around you? When did I see that you needed prayer and I went over and prayed with you? When, Lord, when did, I do, when did I do that? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. If you want to live free, love the hurting. Here's the next thing. If you want to live free, embrace the truth tellers. And we see that in verse 16. It says, have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? <laughs> if you want to live free, we must listen to those who love you enough to tell you the truth. Thank God for, for pastors and our leaders who preach the word of God to us and who will speak into our lives when we need it and teach us and correct us. Sometimes we don't always want to hear that from our pastors, do we? When I was in, in Bible college and we had in a chapel service, uh, one of them, when I was just a young pastor, young budding pastor, I should say, I was just a student, we had a, a speaker come in who was a pastor and he said, there's basically three, three stages of pastoring a church. When you first get there, it's all kitty, and then after a while, it's cat, and then after a while, it's scat. <laughs> and sometimes that is with relationships when somebody tells you the truth. People often don't want to hear the truth. But we need to be people who love the truth. We love truth tellers. We gotta have the same attitude as Tom Cruise who said, I want the truth, right? So thank God, thank God for family members who tell you the truth. One Christian author who was a mom was saying she took her little nine-year-old daughter out to breakfast one time for a little one-on-one -on -one mommy time and, and while she's having breakfast with her daughter, she says, honey, what can mommy do to be a better mother? And the daughter thought about it for a moment and she said, hmm, well, you do yell a lot. And I know you've been praying about that, but it isn't working yet. <laughs> Ouch, right? Sometimes parents tell like it isn't. Sometimes the kids tell like it is. Thank God for brothers and sisters in the Lord, friends who tell you the truth. Proverbs 27, 6 says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Psalm 141, verse 5 says, let a righteous man strike me. It's a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It's oil on my head. I'll not refuse it. In Proverbs 15, 31, it says, he who listens to a life-giving rebuke is at home among the wise. I came across one quote that says, a friend is someone who loves you enough to stab you in the front. Now, when we first hear something that we don't want to hear, often our first reaction is denial. Oh, no, that's not true. No, that's not right. And then our second reaction is to get defensive. Well, the reason I am that way is because of what you do or this person does or whatever. You know, we have an excuse. And then we may get offended. Hmm, how dare you? I don't want to be your friend anymore. You know, it, 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 we can be tempted to get a stubborn, hard heart ab about it, get mad. But don't make enemies out of those 
who love you enough to tell you the truth. And we need, and also along with that, we need to love people enough to give them the truth of the gospel. Sometimes we may hold back from that out of, out of fear, out of they may not like it or they, they may not receive it and they may get mad at us and make us their enemy. But if you want to live free, you've got to listen to the truth tellers in your life. Don't make, don't make enemies out of them and also be a truth teller to others. And then here's the fourth thing. If you want to live free, be passionate for the right things. And we see that in verse 17 and 19. It says, those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may be zealous for them. It's fine to be zealous. Being zealous is good, provided the purpose is good, and to always, and not just with when I am with you. My dear children, for whom I am again in pains of childbirth until Christ is formed with you. So you can be, you can be passionate. You can be zealous. You can be excited for lots of things. Uh, I mean, people are zealous for their sports team. That's okay. Unless it's your Seattle's fan. You know, Seahawks, no. I, I got some blowback for that in the morning because I guess there were some Seattle fans here. I said, well, the one thing we can all agree on is we all hate the Steelers. So, you know, that, that's trying to make peace there, right? So, so you can be zealous for your sports teams. You could be zealous for your politics. You could be zealous for your, your career or your business. And some people are, are zealous for their religion, but that's not always such a good thing. The Judaizers, who Paul was talking about here, they were zealous to win over the Galatians, trying to, to get them back under the law, get them to start doing the things that, that, that they've been set free from. The Pharisees were zealous for their religion, but they crucified Jesus. Saul of Tarsus, was, he was zealous for being a Pharisee. He zealously persecuted the church. He believed he was doing the work of God until he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And, and, and then now he became Paul the apostle, the guy who wrote this letter. The people who come and knock on your door. Hi, I'm Elder Jim. This is Elder John. We've got another testament of Jesus Christ for you. Or they'll show up and say, oh, we got some literature from the Watchtower Society. These are the only guys that have it right. You need to listen to them. Romans 10.2 says, for I testify about them that they're zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. See, you can be zealous for the wrong things. Being zealous and being saved is not the same thing. One time there was a guy named John Wesley. Maybe you've heard about him, maybe you haven't. But he lived in the 1700s, and he was the son of a clergyman, and he went to seminary to become a, go into the ministry. And while at seminary, he, he formed, uh, him and some of his friends formed a holiness club to make, you know, so they can help each other be holy. And, and he, be, he became a, a clergyman and he observed both the Saturday and Sunday Sabbath and he studied the Bible, he prayed, he fasted, he gave money to the poor. He even came to the American colonies as a missionary to the American Indians. Only problem was, John Wesley was not saved. So sailing home after he kind of failed as a missionary, it's tough to be a missionary if you're not saved to begin with, but he's sailing home and this terrible storm hits when they're in the North Atlantic. And he thought the ship was gonna go down and he was gonna drown and he was all distraught, but there were on board some Moravian missionaries. 
And these guys really were saved. And they, in spite of the storm, they had joy, they had peace, they were worshiping the God, worshiping the Lord. And John Wesley goes to him, how can you guys do that? Don't you see we're in the middle of the storm? Don't you, don't you understand we could, we could sink here and, and be lost? And the, the Moravian missionary said, well, if the ship goes down, we go up. And, and that, changed, that, that began a process where John Wesley did become a born-again Christian. And just a little historical note here, he went on to become one of the greatest evangelists that ever lived. And he was re, a, a big part of, was respons, uh, that was responsible that he, uh, of him starting this revival in England that swept through the entire country, literally changed the, the, the entire country to the point where England became the first to abolish slavery and the slave trade. And because England was so anti-slavery and such a Christian nation, they wouldn't come in on the side of the Confederacy during the Civil War, and thus America was saved. So you could say that America was saved because of a guy getting born again and a great revival. Now, you, might, you won't read that in the history books, but that's the truth. So what you want is to be saved and zealous for the right things. So what are, what are those? Well, let me ask you this question. Here, let's just put this question up on, on, on the board behind me. Here's the big question. Will your primary passion in life matter 10,000 years from today? You know that song, Amazing Grace, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, right? We're gonna be there 10,000 years from now. You can be zealous for lots of things. But what we really should be zealous for is what really matters, what really makes a difference, what what will last for eternity. That's what we should be zealous for, which means I should be passionate, I should be zealous, first of all and foremost, of where I'm going to spend eternity. Because the only thing that I'm going to have forever in this life, the only thing I really own in this life forever is my eternal soul. All my property, all my wealth, all the people in my life, they're going to be gone when I die. The only thing I'm going to keep is my eternal soul. So 10,000 years from now, I want to be in a good place. I plan on being in a very good place as opposed to a very bad place. You know, I'll tell you what. Hell is one place I wouldn't want to get caught dead in. Amen? Therefore... Where I spend eternity is worth getting passionate about. Nothing is more important. When you get right down to it, nothing's more important than that. Second thing I should get passionate about is where my family is going to spend eternity. See, that's going to matter 10,000 years from now. So I'm going to do everything I can do to influence my family members for heaven. I want them to be there with me 10,000 years from now. And then the third thing I should get passionate about is the work of the Lord. That's going to matter 10,000 years from now. What I do for the Lord, the work that I do for the Lord, the money that I give to his kingdom, the prayers that I have prayed are going to make an eternal difference. So just imagine 10,000 years from today, maybe someone's going to walk up to me and say, what you did made a difference in, in my life. And that's one of the reasons why I'm here. Your labor, all your hard work is a big, a big reason why I'm here. 
10,000 years from now. The money you gave made it possible for the good news to come to my country and to reach me. That's why I'm here. That sermon that you preached on April 9th, 10,000 years ago, that touched my heart. That's why I'm here. The, the, the love you showed me when, when you greeted me, when I came to church, you made me feel welcome. You took time to talk with me. You, you took time to pray with me. That's why I'm here 10,000 years from now. That made a difference in my life. Thank you. Your primary passion, what you're zealous for, should be for what's eternal because that's going to matter 10,000 years from today. So just as we close this message, if you want to live free, you got to play with the owies, love the hurting, embrace the truth tellers, and be passionate and zealous for the right things. Let's bow our heads as we go to the Lord this evening. Father, we just thank you, God, for your word and what it means to us, God. Just help us to live free. God, it is for freedom's sake that Christ has set us free. Help us to be free.